What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 37 of the Big Fly Pod with your co-host KMA and T. Lou. CM still on the IL. One day we'll see him. But we wish him nothing but the best. Uh, you're getting a live episode here, folks, of KMA and I watching the Cubs versus Sox game. We are live right now in the top of the eighth. Bases loaded, 3 nothing Sox, but with two outs. Fulmer on the bump. But before we get into... Everything baseball-wise, it's happened since uh, the trade deadline. We've had a little bit of a PTO, a little bit of a break. Let's check in. K-May, how we doing? School's on the verge. Do- uh, yeah, Mr. Mr. K-May is almost here. So just want to hear how that's all going. Yeah, man, it's going well. Uh, summertime's winding down here. Went by too quick, as it always does. Um, the kiddos are coming back next week. We're just out here on the grind. You know, it never stops. I'm ready to get into the top. I'm ready, ready for fall. Ready for football. So now that summer's winding down, just give me, give me to September and let's start some football games, huh? Let's talk a little football really quick because I think anybody and everybody has noticed that Twitter is full of everything Bears. Um, I've never seen as much positivity around a team like a Chicago-based team in quite some time. Is the hype real? You know what? I sure hope so. I'm one of those guys who you got to show me to prove it, especially with how bad they were last year. So we're going to find out. But the optimism is real. I am very cautiously optimistic. And I sure as hell they hope they have a better season than the White Sox because I've been miserable since mid-April. So it, Yeah, yeah. I, I, I completely agree. The Bears, now without Rodgers... It's just all these thoughts are running through my head about how everything's going to go well. And then, I don't know. I don't know. I just, that double doink is still sitting in my head. But we don't need to talk about that anymore. Let's talk about good things right now. Baseball. Baseball's on the rise. Baseball's rolling. Um, trade deadline on August 1st. Since then, uh, some teams have had quite some success. Um, maybe some a little bit of uh, proof as to what they did during the deadline worked out while others either who didn't do anything during the deadline or sold off, obviously in a position now uh, that has been pretty tough to watch. So I'd say let's start with the teams that have struggled. KMA looking over the worst records since the trade deadline. This was as of August 15th. It was the D-backs at 2-10, and 10, Mets at 4-10, and 10, A's at 3-9, and nine, Reds at 3-9, and nine, the Angels at 3-10, and 10, the Rockies at 4-9, and nine, the Padres at 4-8, and eight, along with the White Sox and the Guardians, and finally New York Yankees at 5-8 and eight as uh, we round out the top 10. I would say the most disappointing, of course, would be the teams like the Angels, Right with their deals that they did at the deadline, really kind of salvaging their future a little bit. Um, Giolito and other guys have not panned out so far. But Kame, have you been catching up on the Angels much? Anything from that particular squad? Yeah, man, uh, just really disappointing. Um, it's really been the it's been for the most part for when I've seen the pitching has kind of let them down, um, especially in the bullpen. And, uh, you know, like you said, especially if they went out, went out there and made those moves before the deadline, you thought, okay, they're going to make a run at it now. And, uh, just poor Shohei and, and poor Mike Trout. Um, you know, they finally went for it and it backfired. 
So kind of the bad luck of the Angels continues, and uh, it's unfortunate. It'd be good for the good for baseball to see the Angels really making a run for it at the end. So I'm kind of disappointed myself that they, they're kind of falling out of the race. Yep, I would totally agree. It's it's a lot of you know the feeling that you go in all all in like that and yeah. where you stand. Um, cause as of today, if we look right now, let's see here. So it looks like they're up one, nothing in the top of the ninth against the Rangers, but checking the standings right now, they are currently 13 and a half out of the division race. So let's not look there. If we look at the wild card right now, seven and a half back of that last spot, which is just gut-wrenching. Um, if they can get the win tonight, then get hot, maybe things work out. Um, but if we're to look at the particular signing that everybody was really considering to be a, you know, can it be a deal that actually works out for this squad with Lucas Giolito? Um, he's currently one and two in his first three games as an angel. One of those starts at the beginning that was pretty rough with nine earned over his last two, seven earned um, strikeouts round. Uh, they had two, seven and five in the last three, uh, got to six innings in both of those last two starts, but quite a few hits. It's just not looking as pretty as you'd think. Um, I mean, with your experience watching him with the White Sox, when was he at his best and when was he at his worst? You're talking this season or just in general? Just in like I, that's that's a great point because this season was totally different from yeah. last season than that season before that was different. So let's talk about this year. Yeah, he's been really really good this year. I mean, he's been pretty consistent outside of the beginning of the year. He had a couple of rough starts like in April and May, but I'm gonna say since mid May he's really figured it out and really had good starts um, throughout. You know, kept yeah. them in the ball game, which is all you can ask for from a starter. But, you know, the story of his career has been just roller coaster ride, right? He'll have a really yeah. good year, then a down year, really good year, then a down year. So I think the jury is still out for him and where his career is going to go, really. I mean, he's going to be coming off a solid season. He's going to have good stats. Who's going to get decent money uh, from, from who? We don't know yet. But it, it'll be interesting to see what his next season looks like just based on the trajectory of what his career has looked like so far. Yeah. Do you, what do teams do there? I, I, I don't even know what kind of deal you're going to do. Are you thinking two, three max i would think yeah it, it it won't be a proof year i think it'll be like a two or three year so he'll hit free agency again will he still you know able to pitch i would i would guess you know yeah yeah i mean it's going to be really interesting to see the free agent market this off season obviously with all these trades going on it's been you know it's been you know from from the standpoint of of who's going to be available it's not looking that bad um but We'll have to see. Looking at the re uh, rest of the teams here on the list, the D-backs, I would say, um, like I said earlier, are the most disappointing team, in my opinion, based on the fact that they really didn't go out and make any major moves besides Paul Seawald as a closer. I always think that that's you know, a great move if you're willing to commit, but have been a struggle so far. Of course, the Mets are not going to be, we're not in a position to have success moving forward. The A's are the A's. Uh, the Reds, of course, staying staying afloat. I get that. I, I, I actually do, that they didn't go out there and salvage anything. They got a, a very, very nice lineup for the future. And when Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green are healthy, it's going to be a lot of fun. The Rockies, yeah. Uh, the Padres, of course, made one of the some of the worst deadline moves and not really 
taking care of what they needed to do there. But if we look now at the standings there, let's pull up the standings again. Cam, any thoughts on those other teams? Yeah, you kind of touched on the D-backs. Um, disappointing. I mean, they've been, where are they, 2-10, two, two and ten, we said, in the last 12. However, they're still hovering around. They're only a game and a half out of the wild card. So they're still in the thick of it. You know, they're not like the Angels where they're seven and a half out. But who knows? If they can turn it around and catch the fire like they did in the first half, then, you know, they could be right back in there. So I'm kind of curious to see what happens there. Totally. Let's look at the Padres here. Padres currently five games out from the last spot. I know they got hot there a little bit, so we'll have to see what happens there towards the end of the season. I would say, KMA, oh, well, nah, let's not forget about it. The Yankees, the Yankees, five and eight on this, but now finally below 500. Um, you and I were talking about this uh, prior to this episode. It was a team. I, I saw a report about uh, a prospect who came out talking about the minor league system or or how this system sort of uh, coordinates all of their uh, basis around what kind of like they are the priorities of the minor league system. And they said that uh, you know, the Yankees have gone full analytical base. Even they hired the hitting coach that got fired here recently, but was a was an analytical pick or or the, the analytical department had made the choice to go with him. And you think about it, you're wondering is analytics, it's a very, very scary world to get into, in my opinion, because kids, even these days, when I look at PBR or any of these other prospect rankings, uh, high school prospect rankings or anything. Um, you know, when, when that first all started to come out with perfect game rankings and, and whatnot, it felt as if a lot of these things were taking fold over the player and, and the mindset they have. And I know it's hard to judge that, you know, all these different players, but now we're at the point where I'm going to look at a kid and I'm going to say his numbers are going to justify his career, yet his work ethic may suck, or he has a horrible attitude on the field and, and solely cares about himself. It's not to call out the White Sox, for example, but that was a whole thing that came out where guys just solely cared about themselves and really didn't care about how the team went so i mean i know that's a larger conversation there kma but um kind of want to get your thoughts there yeah it's an interesting topic like you said it's so broad we can talk about it for hours you know there's so many different aspects of what goes into analytics um it's interesting how each organization goes about their business right like the rays are known to be huge in analytics um you know there's one of they're one of those organizations who are always in the race at the end so you look from an outsider's perspective and you say, what are they doing right that the rest of the teams aren't? Not the rest of the teams. You know, there's also other good teams out there, but they're just an example of a team that's, you know, using analytics correctly and using it to their advantage. Um, so I think that's kind of the million dollar question, right, for the rest of these clubs. Like, what is a club like that doing that we're not? That's getting them in position to be in the playoffs every single season. Exactly. And again, like the Dodgers, I mean, yeah, their them picks too. and we'll get to them here in a minute, but their picks, the deadline seem to be sort of centered around something that showed in, in their analytical department with their player development or, or whatever, I guess it'd be more um, player development at the major league level 
but they saw some things that they can get out of these guys. So where do, where do you draw the line? And I, I think for, for the Yankees, I think it's just a lot of bad contracts and just a lot of bad yeah. decisions and, and everything. Good. But that was That's a really, point. really interesting story that came out that basically said they're so focused on analytics and now they're going to have to completely – you know, wipe away all their coaches and everything they have because now they completely have to change what's going on. Um, you, you definitely know. have to have some balance. I feel like personally, yeah. you know, totally, totally. Well, let's get you know, let's respectfully get to the the solid teams that have been playing well since the deadline. Um, Atlanta Braves eight and five, Twins eight and five, and the Phillies eight and five. I know the Braves just won those last two, so I think they're now ten and five. Uh, Astros. Cubs, Brewers, Nationals were at eight and four. Those obviously are fluctuated. And the Mariners at eight and three. Funny enough, a team that was on a selling mode. And then, of course, the Texas Rangers at 10 and two. And the Dodgers at 12 and one, winning last night, making them 13 and one since the deadline. I mean, the Dodgers, man, you just, I can't speak highly enough about them, um, what they have done. I'm looking here at like Lance Lynn, for example. 3-0 in his uh, three starts with the Dodgers, each start going over five innings. Um, one to two walks per start, along with over six Ks per start as well. This is obviously a guy that wants the big moment. He wants the big stage. He enjoys the environment of winning. You saw, obviously, K-May with him over the last couple of years, the bulldog attitude. He brought such a value to that team that ran, that had that playoff run. It sucked to see him go, but, I mean, could we have saw this more in Chicago with the Sox, or do you think he just had no chance? Uh, going forward, I mean, I think he's getting up there in age. Um, however, I will say, going back there a couple of years ago, he was a tank. The year they made the playoffs and they won the division – um, you know, he was a horse in the middle of that rotation. I don't yeah. know his exact stats, but around a three ERA, I want to say. Yeah. So he definitely has it in him. You know, he's still young enough to where he can he can bowl down to give you some innings. And it, it was no secret how bad the White Sox clubhouse was. So who knows how much that played a role into how he did in the South Side as well. Um, but I'm happy for him. You know, great guy. Great listen. Great listening to his interviews. Great watching him on the mound. So I'm rooting for him going forward. I hope he does well with the Dodgers as he has been. I think you will. And, and guys like Kike Hernandez that went over uh, along with, of course, um, Ahmed Rosario and Joe Kelly, uh, the Dodgers loaded up in areas I saw last night with the Dodgers. So they had Kike was on the bench because they were facing a righty from the Brewers in Hauser. And he comes up with, you know, a big at bat in the um, in like the fifth or sixth inning there. I think they're up two to one and, Runners on second and third with, you know, one out. And he came up uh, as a substitute hitter against the lefty and, you know, drove the ball right up the middle for two run back. It's just they are finding guys to pick those moments that they need to have success in. And I don't even think it's guy. I don't even think it's constructing a lineup in a sense. I think it's constructing the moments that they need these guys. Same with Rosario. I mean, just a, a solid all-around player who can hit the ball, of course, and then Kike, you can all the way all around the infield and outfield yeah it's a special group man let's get to the rangers came a rangers of course made the big deadlines with max scherzer along with jordan montgomery and other names as well uh last three starts for scherzer which i think he's kind of enjoying texas now instead of new york three and oh each start over six innings uh 
first start had nine Ks, second had six, and then he just put out 11 against the Angels. Um, you know, max of two walks per game. Uh, an absolute dude. And then the other guy, of course, Jordan Montgomery. Um, let's go to his stats here. He, he's been two, he's two and one, both, all three starts going six innings, uh, f- you know, six, five and nine Ks over those three starts, one walk per start, except his last one where he didn't even walk a guy, uh, and letting up only two earned runs or lower. You're looking at this squad, man. I, it's, it's scary because you got the Braves and the Dodgers with the Rays now losing a bunch of guys. You wonder who is going to be able to beat these these Rangers, man. Dude, the Rangers are a wagon. It, I'm starting to think about like playoff matchups. If you look at who they're going to play in the playoffs, we know they're going to hit the ball, right? They've been they've been in the ball all year. Scoring yep. runs is not going to be an issue for them. But you look at going into a playoff series. If you run out there, Scherzer, Montgomery, Evaldi, that's going to be tough to beat, man. It's going to be tough to beat for sure. Very tough. Um, I really like this team. They're they're a ton of fun to watch. They had a young team, a lot of energy. Um, they're a lot of fun. I, I'm I'm high in the Rangers. Very very high in the Rangers. Very high on the Rangers. Um, looking at the rest of the squads here, um, I think a really really fun little name here. I know you're uh, a little sad to see him go, but Jake Berger, uh, last seven games um, for the Marlins. These are just other names off of this list, or not off the top ten list here of teams to go in this rank, but just going off some names that have been exciting. Jake Berger, a 464, 43, 607 slash line. Um, do you know what, what's the story behind Berger? Cause I, I saw that and I'm just like, it really is. It's so much fun to see. It looks like the most loved guy in the clubhouse with the thing they did the other night with the Burger King stuff. I mean, your experience, what do you know about Jake Berger? Yeah, you got to root for the guy. I mean, so his story coming up was he was in the minor leagues. He was a first-round pick, first of all. They picked him, I'm going to say. Really? Yeah, 2016 or 2017, one of the one of those years. Um, in the minors, he tore his Achilles, right? So he was rehabbing from that, looking to come back, re-tore his Achilles again, out for another year. Finally came back, absolutely raked in the minors, made his way up very quickly to the major leagues, and just hit bombs once he got here in the majors past couple of years he's been up and down kind of back and forth but this year he had an opportunity to kind of stick in the majors for the full uh for the full for the full season and obviously he's been doing really well hitting bombs and he like he's just a guy you root for like i was talking about with lance lynn just a good guy overall and uh dog eat dog attitude so I'm, I'm happy to see him doing well yeah a first round pick 11th pick of the 2017 mlb draft out of missouri state on yep. under underrated uh, Division one baseball school for sure. Yeah, That's for sure. A, that is a loaded, loaded program. Um, well, KMA, I think we've rolled through a bunch of these teams uh, and a bunch of what uh, we think uh, so far has happened for some of these ball clubs. But I think what would be really interesting to talk about really quick is just the new rankings that came out on MLB.com for prospects. Uh, of course, the Baltimore Orioles with the number one uh, ranking. As of now, this is a crazy stat, dude. 2021 midseason rank number one. 2022 preseason rank number one. 2022 midseason rank number one. And, of course, prior to this season, number one as well. Led by Jackson Holiday, the number one overall prospect in all of baseball, who is absolutely tearing up 
double uh, A right now. Uh, Colton Kowser at number 14, an outfielder, of course, Heston Kierstad, uh, a former uh, Arkansas Razorback that was a lot of fun to watch back in the day at number 25 and other names as well. Rolling down the list, Pittsburgh Pirates with the help, with the, of course, help of Paul Skeens. Now the number three overall prospect, the Brewers at number three, who were at 15 prior to the season, but have just absolutely uh, gone off the rails here. Of course, with the help of Sal Frelick, who has been a lightning bolt for them in a bottle uh, this past season. He's been a guy picked up in fantasy baseball I'm very, very happy about. But of course, Jackson Trio at number two in overall prospect in baseball. The other names here on the list, the Cubs really jumped up there from number 12 to number four. That's been a huge development across the Jed Hoyer era is really been developing the prospect system. So it's great to see that with the likes of Pete Armstrong, Kate Wharton, and Owen Cassie. Number five for the Reds, which were number five prior to the season. The Dodgers, of course, at number six. Preseason rank number two. I think I'm still feeling pretty good if you're an L.A. Dodger fan being at number six or within the top ten considering the moves that they made. Um, obviously, they dropped a little bit because of the trades they made. But the Rays at number seven, they've been in the top ten since 2021. Nationals at number eight were number ten prior to the season. The Padres at number nine, they were 23 before this season, but have really, really stepped up in that department. A lot of people thought that this team was going to sort of drop off um, in reference to the prospect rankings because of that uh, Juan Soto trade with the Nationals, but they keep you know rolling through with Ethan Salas, who's you know basically nine years old playing in uh, single A right now, is absolutely dominating in Jackson Merrill. Finally, rounding out the top 10 with Texas Rangers, of course, Wyatt Langford being the big pick uh, this year, a little controversial pick with... Um, Max Clark going at three, them grabbing him at number four. KMA, I mean, overall with prospect rankings, how much do you look into this? How much do you value this uh, from from your experience? I do pay attention to it. I don't um, pay a whole lot of attention to it, I'll say, but I'll definitely glance and see what teams are up there, what kind of their top guys are, and kind of what they can do more moving forward. For me, it's really interesting. I always like to check, like right at the World Series, I like to check where teams' prospect rankings are because going into the offseason, it gives you some perspective on what kind of moves teams can make, different trades, um, to possibly put themselves in position to maybe compete for the next year. Um, so that's when I look at look at it the most um, going into the offseason. But it is cool to check midseason to see which guys are kind of overachieving in the minors, which guys are underachieving, and things like that. So I would say really a couple times a year, I really check into it and look into it in depth. Yep. Yeah, and, and a lot of teams really made, you know, obviously big changes with, you know, it, there's of course a lot of things that are behind the scenes in the way that they are maneuvering their uh, plan and approach with these kids uh, and these, in these, and these players, of course, you think about the international, you know, prospect pool that you see some teams really, really taking advantage of that and it really paying dividends, but we're seeing a lot of these teams that are just, uh, it's just the Orioles, for example, man, you're number one since 2021 and people were giving them flack. You know, they they got, you know, they got Flaherty, um, and the Cubs just tied it up. Wow. Oh, the Cubs just walked off. Oh, oh my God. I'm going to puke. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Okay, man. I'm so sorry, dude. Yeah, bleep you. 
All right. Um, so back to the podcast. Um, let's. Uh, so, yeah, great points there on the uh, prospect uh, rankings there, KMA. Um, I'm just solid, solid breakdown um, across the board. Uh, yeah, the Orioles are good. Anything else you got there, KMA? No. Okay. Okay. I uh, just, just wanted to verify. Holy cow. Um, okay. So, uh, <laughs> oh my God. I'm so sorry, dude. Why did we do this live? I feel bad now. I really, really do. I don't. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, not at all. So let's talk about uh, a couple other things here, KMA, um, before we kind of just wrap it up here with just things around the league. Um, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays with two big players going down for different reasons. Shane McClanahan um, came out. It was funny. I remember watching that start. He gets pulled out. He looks super, super frustrated. He's trying to stay in. And you wonder, you know, if he stays in, how badly of an injury this could have been. But news came uh, this past week that he's going to be shut down for 23 and 2024 uh, due to Tommy John's surgery. Man, they've just gotten absolutely smoked by these injuries. And next man up is kind of their mantra. And then, of course, Wander Franco with, you know, some very, very uh, it's just horrible stuff that's going on there. We don't have to really get into the details of that just because we don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to say anything that may be not true. Um, so I would be interested to see what happens there. Of course, they're loaded from a farm system standpoint, so they don't need to necessarily worry about that too much. You hope, hopefully everything gets worked out in the right way, but let's start with Shane McClanahan, man. Um, cause like right now you, you have Tyler glass now, who's your stud, uh, Zach Eflin, who's had a tremendous year was their largest, you know, deal in, in history. But if you're the Rays. And you're wondering, all these injuries are happening during this time. Do you think that's, this is a bold take, but do you think that's something with their development? Or do you think that's just the way baseball is these days with these injuries, these arms? No, yeah, I chalk it up to kind of just bad luck. Um, I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, it happens to teams every year. It's Some teams have the injury bug. Right now, it's the Rays who are wearing it. You know, there's other teams that have worn it too in the past, so just on a year-to-year basis. I, I don't look into it as an organizational thing. I just think it's pure bad luck, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it sucks because the Rays, you know, a lot of people say it like they're just – they've done things the right way and they've built through yeah. their farm system and they, and they simply do the right things to develop a team that um, has a proven track record of success over the last few years. But unfortunately, they got put. They got dealt a really, really tough hand with this, uh, and to lose Franco is that's critical. Um, I mean, looking at the standings right now, they're two and a half back of Baltimore, which is still wild to me. Um, and speaking of wild for the wild card, um, they are. Let's see here. They are five and a half games up um, from the uh, last team of Seattle. Um, or five and a half from the last team out right now, which would be Seattle or first team out, excuse me. Um, Toronto. Yeah, Toronto's the last team in, then Seattle. Toronto. Yes, yes, yes. Correct. Correct. And then, of course, two and a half up on the Astros. And that's a critical spot, KMA, as we know, because yeah. if you get that spot, you get those three home games uh, for the opening series. It's crazy, man. It's, it's, this is going to get Very- really, really tough, man. Very, uh, very hypothetical. Um, but if, if the standings were to, if the, if the season ended today, you'd have the Rays and the Astros in a three-game wild card series. That's a very intriguing series to me. I'd like to see that 
to see that series play out. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be a fun matchup, I think. We're going to get some very, very good matchups. And I think on our next pod, we'll probably go over some projected um, line or excuse me, matchups we're going to see because right now you get, um, of course, the Rangers and the likes of, of the Braves and the Dodgers who have solidified themselves as the top dogs in uh, the MLB. But this this is going to get interesting um, because, I mean, let's let's talk about like a team like Minnesota. Like, how do you, do you see them competing at all in this? I don't. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think they have. I don't think they have pitching to hang with anybody, whoever they play. Um, but you know, playoffs are the playoffs. Anything can happen. So yeah, get in and see got, what happens. I guess is the, is the motto. Yeah, because you got um, it's scary. Because Maeda is not bad. Maeda's actually had a really, really nice year. Uh, Olber has not been terrible either. Sonny Gray has had a pretty stellar year. You just wonder though, like. I know they'll never, ever do this. It would just be kind of fun to structure it a little bit differently because I let's be honest here. I think Seattle beats Minnesota. I think Boston beats Minnesota. I even put the Yankees up against Minnesota. Sadly enough, I actually would put them in even the Angels. I mean, it's sort of this list and it's just... Again, they'll probably prove me wrong, and I'll be completely. I agree with you. Yeah, the one wrinkle is, I mean, the Twins would host a series, right? Since they won the division, they'd be the three seed. So yeah, that puts a wrinkle in it. Home field makes a big difference in the playoffs. So yeah, let's talk about. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, we're running down the time here, folks. We of course want to get KMA's thoughts. Uh, we had a little bit of a break there before we got uh, before or since the trade deadline, we had a little bit of a break, and of course. The punch heard around the world. Um, the punch that landed that I don't even know if Jose meant to land, but of course the fight we had against uh, Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez. You, let me ask you this. So you think about all the storylines that have come out with like the White Sox clubhouse, right? And I'll be completely frank. This happens to way too many teams and they're, they're, storyline got out there because of Kenya Middleton. So two things. We'll get to the Kenya Middleton comments after because I I have a really uh, hot take about that. But it obviously is frustration building up. TA had that issue in the offseason, right? Was that during the offseason or last year where the cheating thing and everything? Like, these things play to these guys. These guys are human beings. So, like, that fight, like, Jose Ramirez thought he tagged hard. T.A. doesn't face up like that without the amount of frustration that has built up inside him, right? Yeah. If that, if none of that stuff happens, do you think that type of fight happens? Because that, I mean, that was like, I don't care what happens to my career, let's go. That's what I got. Yeah, it's hard to say because I don't think the story ever came out, like what Jose Ramirez said to him to like piss him off that much. Um, I mean, looking at the replay, like T.A. didn't tag him that hard. It wasn't a hard tag. So... Ramirez got up and said something, and then TA said, okay, let's square up. Um, so I don't know. I might be a little biased. In my opinion, Jose Ramirez is a little more in the wrong because, again, the tag was not that egregious. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to react that way to, to set him off. Um, it, was a normal, it was a normal, hard baseball play and should have been that. Um, so I don't know. Interesting. Your question is, is interesting, though, too, because, I mean, it's obviously been a frustrating season. He's had a lot of shit going on in his personal life. So 
every little thing can set somebody off, you know, a base, baseball player, or not a baseball player. We all know that as human beings. So I don't know, man. Interesting. Very, very much an interesting uh, situation. It's sad too, man, because TA, in my opinion, if he was a cub would be my, probably my top two, three player favorite players that they would ever have. Right. You have a guy who comes into the city he takes the city onto his back there for a couple of years. I mean, legitimately takes onto his back. He was borderline one of the more underrated players in baseball, to be completely honest. And the swagger he brought, the home run, of course, the field of dreams is one of the most electric moments in baseball history, just based on the circumstances. But I wanted to get your take on what Kenyon Middleton said. And while it's cool and all that all those stories came out, so everybody had clickbait and everything, Okay, man, we both play college baseball together. There's a clubhouse. There's a dynamic of the clubhouse. It's a sacred place. Things are set in there. Things are done in there that, um, you know, either you know help build the team up together or, you know, can be detrimental. And that and that's just across sports. My opinion, I think Kenyon Middleton should shut his mouth. We have uh, alternating opinions. I okay. disagree with. Go you. ahead. I, okay, go I ahead. 100... I'm happy that Kenny Milton said what he said. Um, I think this is an ongoing problem with the White Sox. It just happened a few years ago when we saw Chris Sale cut up jerseys in the locker room. So clearly something with the culture is not right. So somebody has to say something about it to wake their asses up, meaning the front office, that something isn't right here. Um, And, you know, I thought the interviews that the White Sox had, Pedro Rafal afterwards, was all BS. You know, yes, we have leaders, you know, they're taking care of it. It's an ongoing issue that we're worrying about. Yeah, BS, we're in August. Should have been figured out in April or even in spring training. You know what I mean? So it's a wake-up call. It's extremely disheartening and extremely unfortunate. But the White Sox have an issue, and it's way deeper than I think we all thought in the first place. Um, And the culture needs to be fixed, bottom line. How do you do that? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows the answer, but something needs to change. Yeah, and, and I, I completely see your point because at the end of the day, you just as a fan, you want to see things turn around. And you're not gonna be you're not in that clubhouse, of course. And none of us are, right? None of us of are our understanding of what is truly going on there. And you don't know if it was even much, much worse than that, if it was this or that. Um yeah, I just and keep keep in mind ahead. we're all we're all reporting from like things we heard from the media, right? Like you said, who knows what happens in the locker room? That's a sacred place. Um, only the guys in there know what actually went down. So we're yeah. speculating based on what we hear, but who knows what the, what the actual truth is. Yeah. It's just, it, it kind of, it just bothered me and rubbed me the wrong way. Cause it was like, I completely see your side of it. I tweeted about it. I deleted it. Cause I was like, I don't want my work to see this. Um, but it just felt like he kind of, wanted to just call them out just because he got out of there and you know it's it's good to go now i can say whatever i want he had been a white sock for how long uh he's a rookie so he just got or not a rookie but he was in the minors at the start of the season so they called him up i'm gonna say may so and what's interesting too is he pitched against the white Sox a couple days later and the whole thing where they couldn't show his name on this on the scoreboard and all that i thought that was really really weird um I don't know, man. It's just hard because it's just like what you know. What does that guy have to do with all this? But he's a part of the team and he's a part of the organization. And again, it could be the right thing that needed to happen because there's a lot of contracts that are ending here. A lot of these guys are going to be gone. 
I saw an, you know, a team today, even against the Cubs, while I apologize for my reaction, um, kind of. But you looked at that club and you said, you know, I don't see how this team is uh, successful. I mean, let's be honest, man. You have a nice middle infield of TA and Andrews. I know you probably would want a little bit more of an upgraded second. Um, Yo Mancata is an absolute stud at third. Um, don't know where his head's at. Um, Gavin Sheets over at first has been a very underrated bat at times. Your outfield, of course, Luis Roberts, one of the best center fielders in baseball. Andrew Benatendi is a really solid veteran over and left. And Colas is a really up-and-coming player. And you just sit there and you're like, man, if these guys just had a better plan, would this have all turned out to be better? Who knows? Yeah, exactly right. You know, they, the pieces are there. They just can't put it together. That's been the most frustrating thing about the last two years as a fan. You know what I mean? Got yeah. good players. They just can't figure it out. Yep, and and you and I both know, like, Cubs fans can be Cubs fans, and there's a lot of uh, interesting takes on Cubs fan bases and everything. I don't need to get into that, but White Sox fans are, pu- are pure, man, and they are, they are so committed to that ball club. We saw it with the blackout. Uh, a couple of years ago and, and what it was in the, in the last couple of in, in, in forever. It's, it's a ball club that's loved by their fans. And it's sad to see that these things can't get figured out. I mean, we can go on for hours about the white Sox folks, but I definitely wanted to talk about that because there's a deeper story to that punch that was thrown and landed by Ramirez, which uh, was the luckiest punch in the world and give me five more minutes of that fight. TA knocks him out. So, We'll see, man. We'll see. I, let's just be honest. The TA was about yeah. to, to bust him. So, well, KMA, uh, great episode, dude. Anything else to end on? Agreed. Good episode. Um, F the Cubs, and that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a, a picture perfect ending. Well, <laughs> folks, thanks you so much for listening again. Um, we're Excited to see how the next couple of weeks go as we roll into, um, you know, playoff contention time. And a lot of teams that are are in uh, in the race will keep you all afloat of what's going on there. Other than that, we'll talk to you here soon.